Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here. I am fired up for today's interview. Uh, For those of you who don't know, who Mark Batterson is, I'll just brag for a second because he is not that kind of guy. So he's got several New York Times bestselling books, uh, several I've read. If you will go back to episode 74, uh, we talked about Whisper, which was also a phenomenal book. But today we are going to talk about his new book, Double Blessing, which I'm really excited about because we're getting into topics that I see all the time on Facebook that people get so worked up over as far as giving or not giving, or is God angry? Is God happy? Or who knows? We can talk about all kinds of stuff. And I feel like in this book, Mark does a great job hitting some of these topics and really talks about aligning our heart with the Father's heart. So anyways, that being said, Mark, you ready, my friend? I am, John. Good to be with you again. I appreciate it, man. So, Mark, let's just dive straight into Double Blessing. Why don't you give me at least the backdrop of why you wrote the book? Yeah. Well, before original sin, there was original blessing. And I think it's easy to forget that. And so uh, the very first thing God does is uh, Genesis 128. It says he blessed them. And uh, if you get that sequence wrong, I I think you're going to relate to God for all the wrong reasons I think blessing is God's most ancient instinct. Uh, It is his first and foremost reflex. It is God's default setting. And so, John, when I started writing the book, I thought it might be about kind of this two-sided coin of gratitude and generosity, and it is. But I I really think it is about rediscovering God's heart towards us, and uh, it is a heart of blessing. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about God's heart towards us because I think, and I'm just, you've been in church probably longer than I have, maybe, maybe not, but you know, in 20 years of being in church and seeing, and especially Facebook is a great uh, thermometer to kind of see how people feel about God, like, because you just see so many different things, right? How people feel. But I would say the overlining tone a lot of times is people think God's mad. He's just angry at me. He's pissed off because. I cut somebody off in traffic or I slipped and said a cuss word this week, or I looked at the wrong thing. Like you name it, right? Like we could just go on. Why don't you talk about that? Because I think that that's foundational because the way we view God is really how we're going to receive from him. Yeah. Uh, well, there, there's a chapter in the book called God in the hands of angry people. <laughs> 
I just and, read uh, it. You know, I think uh, in the beginning, God created us in his image. We've been creating God in our image ever since. And so I think what happens is we project our anger onto God. The reality is this. As an earthly father, I have three kids. I can't not love my kids. It doesn't depend on the day of the week. It doesn't depend on how they're doing. It's not compromised by mistakes that they make. I can't not love my children. Yeah. And I'm an earthly father. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, there is a heavenly father who loves us as is, loves us more than we can imagine. You are the apple of his eye. And, and I think the right relationship with God begins right there. Um, if you get that wrong, it's, it's almost like the foundation uh, is tilted. The foundation is off. I know you do a little bit of construction on the side. And uh, <laughs> you know, if, if that foundation isn't right, well, ain't nothing going to be right. And so I, I think this idea of original blessing is where the whole thing begins and, uh, and then I trace that idea all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. That's good. You know, I sidetracked real quick. I just had a conversation with my 14-year-old daughter last night in the truck, and we were talking about identity in beauty. And she's just going through a hard time right now with that freshman year high school and friends and all that stuff. And I said, and we were parked out in front of our house. We built our dream home a couple years ago. And I, and I told her, I said, you know, you see this beautiful home. And I said, right now you're looking at the brick and you're looking at the lights and all the things that I built and all everything that I did. I said, but what you don't pay attention to and nobody ever thinks about is the foundation. And I said, it has to go deep because it has to hold all this beauty up on it. And it takes time. Concrete takes time to cure mm. 20 to 30 days before we build on it. And what people don't realize is we focus so much on the hard places in our life and what we're not focused on is what God's really trying to build in us. Mm. Yeah, so good. So good. The, uh, I love that curing idea of, uh, of concrete. I, I think that'll preach, John. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was good. Man. That was uh, definitely not mine. But you know, the other thing, Mark, another quick tangent, I just got to say, I, I keep two times this week, I kept on hearing the word uh, wine press. And I was thinking about for sometimes people, we go, th- we, we get so focused on the press that we forget that the, the beauty is in the wine mm. and God is trying to squeeze out the goodness out of us to get the, to get what really tastes good. But we're so complaining and so focused and so whiny about the pressure that we forget that he's producing something really tasty. Yeah, that's that's so good. And now we're we're riffing a, a little bit, but uh, you know what makes us think that we can become like Christ without going through some of the things he did, without being betrayed by a Judas or denied yes. by a Peter or even tempted by the enemy. And so I think one of the things I've discovered, even in writing this book, is that I'm not sure I know enough to know whether something is a blessing or a curse up front. That's good, the things man. that I think are a curse actually turn out to be blessings in disguise. And then, listen, there are blessings that if you don't steward it the right way, it becomes a curse. Your greatest asset becomes your greatest liability yeah. if you don't use it for God's glory. So I think there are some deep themes here, deep waters, if you will, that 
we, we've got to figure out so that we are really understanding what blessing is and, and of course, what it is not. So why don't you dive into that, Mark, talking about blessing, because I think a, a lot of times, and I say this generally just because of things that I've seen and maybe even my heart where I was growing up, but a lot of times we think blessing is, hey, I want a nice car, big house, make lots of money, I'm blessed, right? Yep. And I think once you've had those things, or maybe you haven't, but you've been around them, you realize that's not the blessing. It has nothing. There, there, I mean, don't get me wrong. It can be, and God can give it to us. I don't want to minimize that. But that's not where the blessing's at. Yeah. Yep. It is, uh, it's not a picture of an exotic vacation, hashtag blessed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, first of all, I probably need to say it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. Now, those things can be byproducts of God's blessing. Um, you know, Book of Deuteronomy says that it's God who enables us to produce wealth. And I would say that health is a blessing from God, but but you can't reduce it to a material thing. I, I think blessing, the blessing of God are really those things we can't even put a price tag on. It's things like joy unspeakable or peace that passes understanding. And it's certainly not an immunity card either. Um, li- listen, I, I've had some tough seasons. I've gone through some tough times. I've spent two days on a respirator, should have died. Um, everybody walks through the valley of the shadow of death. There's no immunity card. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he also said, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so I I think it's God who enables us to kind of walk through tough seasons, but come out the other side with a little more character and a few lessons that... uh, Wow, you can't learn that in seminary. You can't learn that in a classroom. The, yeah. These are the lessons that uh, you wouldn't want to go through it again, but you wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so talk about the double portion because from there I want to go. I really enjoyed your chapter on law of, I think it was measure that I read. I can't remember, but go talk about double portion first and yeah. what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, it was really a defining moment for me. My, my father-in-law, I would have been 28. Uh, my father-in-law was 55, prime of life, prime of ministry, pastored at a church in the Chicago area. Um, and uh, two days after a physical, when a doctor told him I could drive a Mack truck through your arteries, he dies of a massive heart attack. And uh, nothing can prepare you for that. You, you, wow. you, you go into emotional shock. And, uh, you know, our family was grieving, but I just had this moment um, at the foot of his casket where I just felt prompted to pray for a double portion of his spirit, not, not unlike Elisha and Elijah. And, uh, you know, I don't even know if I really knew what I was asking for, but I would say all these years later, about two decades later, that, listen, everything God's done in me, through me, um, I think it's an answer to that prayer. And so really grateful for that double portion. And, uh, and I think it's available to us. You know, it's funny, John, Elisha could have asked for anything, Yeah. right? I mean, Elijah, it was a, it was an open invite. He could have asked for his estate, could have asked for an inheritance, Mm -hmm. But what he really wanted was that double portion of his spirit. 
And then interestingly enough, Elijah does 14 miracles. Elisha doubles it and does 28. And so I would suggest that Elisha was really Elijah's legacy. And uh, it's not about what you and I accomplish in our lifetime. It's about the, the people that we influence and then what they're able to accomplish because of it. You know, we're all about being real around here. And if I'm being truthful, I hate shopping for insurance. So recently, I found a company that made my life much easier and also helped me find an insurance policy. And they help you find all different types of insurances. So what was it? I'm glad you asked. PolicyGenius.com. So I went on PolicyGenius, got a uh, quote It literally took just a couple of minutes, and I got to tell you, to be honest, I was extremely impressed with the representative that I had. Uh, They actually text me, uh, followed up with phone calls. They made the process really easy, really impressive, and it all said and done, absolutely, I got insurance through them uh, because they made the process easy, and I liked dealing with them. So that being said... Why don't you go on there right now and compare and buy either life insurance, different types of insurance you're looking for. Get on policygenius.com and see what they can do for you. I do recommend them and personally use them. You know, it's funny you said that I was reading, just flipping through your book and it was talking about, um, you were kind of, you were talking about the building buildings and stuff and the campaigns, which we can maybe will or won't get into, but talking about the real estate portion of it. But you, you made something you mentioned, you said it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the buildings, but about the legacy. And you know, in my mind, I was thinking that right now, I was like, what am I doing today? That's going to last a hundred years. Yep. And I just had that thought while I was sitting there right before we jumped on. I thought, is there anything in my life I'm doing right now that I know is going to last a hundred years. That's going to impact somebody. And yeah. I don't know. I, I just, it just hit me hard. And I thought, man, that's really a good, viewpoint, whether it's ministry or family, uh, my children, my marriage, just anything in what am I doing? Is it going to outlast me? Yep. And that is such a critical mindset. Uh, You know, Jeremiah 29 says, um, plant gardens and build houses. Uh, Now, this is Jeremiah writing to uh, prisoners of war in Babylon. You might think he would say, subterfuge or coup d'etat or try to overthrow the Babylonian. No, he says, plant gardens and build houses. In other words, don't rent the city, Uh, put down roots, do things that are going to make a difference 70 years from now, because he knew that's how long the captivity would take. And so what we're trying to do, John, is not just build a church, but bless a city. And, uh, and so I think it's, it starts with thinking, generationally what what can i do that really sets up the next generation and for what it's worth you know i i know you have a book that's about to come out and uh i've written a few books um you, you know the reason why i write them is to me they're time capsules that yeah. uh, I, I want my great great grandchildren should the lord tarry i yeah. want my great great grandchildren to be able to read what i wrote and be able to kind of climb into my heart and really know what I believed, what I lived for, what I was willing to die for. Um, and so, you know, in a sense, I'm trying to do something that, that could maybe make a, a difference 70 or 100 years from now. I like that. Mark, I want to ask you this. You talked about blessing a city, and I'm just curious in the dynamic. I think so many times we focus on what we're doing and, and, 
and in church, we could focus on say building a church or my construction company. I can focus on building um, my business. Right. But you talked about building a city and I'm curious, what have you seen that shift for you guys as a church when, when your focus became about the city and not about you guys in the church? How did that change just the whole spirit in the church, just everything? Because I know it did something. Yeah. Well, I, I'll maybe give you a couple of examples. Yeah, so in the last, um, I guess, 17 years, I think we've taken 272 mission trips kind of around the world. Well, there's something about getting out of your context that helps put our first world problems in perspective, yes. right? And uh, and then we built this dream center in Ward 7 that we're mentoring hundreds of kids uh, in a tough part of our city. Uh, I think we resettle about 65% of the refugees in the D.C. area. Um, and uh, the kids' ministry space that we're about to build in a new campus, it'll double as a child development center Monday to Friday. And so what we're trying to do is really give expression to this idea that the church that stays within its four walls isn't a church at all. Um, God has called us to have more impact than that, to literally be a blessing to everybody around us, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, Jeremiah 29. And if it prospers, it says you too will prosper. And so I, I think it's this mindset that God has called us to something bigger and something longer than just one church with one name above the door. That's good. So I'm just curious from a material perspective, I don't know how else to word that. So don't misunderstand listeners, but I'm just thinking, did you see like, because you guys gave more and were fo your focus changed that all of a sudden things maybe became easier or like the church grew faster, was more blessed simply because your focus shifted? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually love that question. Um, you know, it took us three years to become a self-supporting church, okay. but year one, we started giving to missions. Uh, I'll never forget writing that first $50 check. It made, made no sense, John. It, yeah. We didn't have it, but we felt like we're going to stand on, on Luke six thirty-eight. Given will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And yeah. so, um, you know, we've given 19 or $20 million since then, but it always starts with the first $50 check. Yes. And so we have it's this. Heart issue. What? It's a heart issue. It, it is. Yeah, it's on and, the heart. And, yep. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so, um, you know, I think we, we have a conviction that God will bless us in, the, in proportion to how we give to the poor in our city and how we care for missions. And we stood on that conviction for two decades now, yeah. and we've seen God provide in some amazing ways. I think our, our coffee house is another great example. We give every penny of profit to missions. Well, what is there not to bless? And yeah. so I think God's blessing has been on it because he knows that we're not going to keep the blessing. We're going to flip the blessing and believe that he's going to use it for other people. That's good, man. That's really good. I think, is that the, when you talk about the, the $50, is that the law of measure? Is that in there? Start small. Yeah, I, think I, I talk a little bit about that, that if you do little things like they're big things, yes, that'll do big things like they're little things. Yeah. Um, give me another, do you have another story? I, I don't know. You got, I know you're full of stories, but I'm just curious whether it's 
the building their campaign of just starting small. Cause I think a lot of times and you hear people say that they're like, well, I, I can't afford to give. Yeah. And I, literally. I think you can't afford not to. I mean, I can yeah. give you 20 years of testimonies of when I was broke and God said, give. And I was like, are you serious right now? Like I'm having this conversation with God. Like I can't do that. And, yeah. uh, but I always just did it because I wanted to be obedient and never without fail did yeah. God just show up so much bigger than what I was expecting just because I was obedient. Yeah. Well, in light of uh, what you call this podcast, we probably ought to keep it real, right? Yes. And so here's the deal. I think if people have listened this long, I think they can handle what I'm about to say. I know so many people who say, when I make more, I'll give more. Quit lying to yourself. Uh, If you don't give now, it's not going to get any easier. It's going to be so much harder to give when you have more. You've got to be generous out of the gate. Uh, It is a lot easier to tithe on a hundred spot than a hundred thousand spot. You know, it's, uh, I think, I think generosity begins uh, with uh, nickels and dimes. And uh, you be generous with it. And then it's so much easier. And so, you know, one of our goals is uh, my wife and I is to eventually reverse tithe. In other words, live off of 10% and give 90%. Yeah. Well, how, how do you do that? Well, I, I think you start with the tithe and, and then you add a percentage to it. You know, at some point you, you try out a double tithe. Man, could you give 20% back? And then some people are so blessed, maybe they could get to 50-50. Uh, you know, there's a chapter at the end of the book titled Die Broke. And uh, <laughs> by that, I don't I don't mean mismanage your money right. and uh, and, you know, die with credit card debt. OK, yeah. um, John Wesley said, make all you can save all you can give all you can. I think it's this idea that what you keep, you lose forever and what you give you get to keep forever. I mean, do we believe this or not? Do we believe what Jesus said? And if we do, then it's about growing in this grace of generosity. That's good. Mark, I got to write that down. Say that one more time. It says what you keep, you lose forever. And what, what'd you say? Yeah. What you, what you give, you get to keep forever. Uh, It's this uh, wonderful reward in heaven. Keep forever. That's good. I, th- I just think that's a really good outlook uh, outlook on life. If you live life that way, just to realize I'm I'm here to give. I mean, ultimately, that's what Jesus did. He gave, yep. gave of himself. And uh, you know, what's funny is even in my business recently, I've tried to change my perspective because when you work with people, people's hard. I don't yep. care what you're in, church, business, it just doesn't matter. And uh, and I had to change my perspective sometimes. And that was, I said, I just said, Lord, I'm here to give and I'm here to help people and I'm here to serve and whatever that looks like. And uh, when we're able to change our perspective and look at, I'm here to serve, uh, it becomes a lot easier to deal with grumpy people sometimes. Yeah. You know, I've got a mentor who said the world defines success by how much you make and how many people serve you. And he said in the kingdom, it's measured by how much you give and how many people you serve. And I, I think that's spot on. That's good. Okay. Mark, as we wrap up the show, um, why don't you hit some kind of highlights for me as far as for you on the book, um, stuff like kind of just takeaways 
that you want our listeners to grab onto that are important that you've, that the Lord just really laid on your heart? Yeah. You know, I think the first half of the book is really about the art and science of gratitude, about how you inventory blessing. And, uh, you know, an observant Jew would say a hundred blessings a day, but we got to get better at the gratitude game. And that really is what the first half of the book is about. But, but then gratitude is uh, you flip that coin and it becomes generosity. And so uh, talk a little bit about four levels of generosity. But th- the heart of it, John, is this, that my wife and I live by a little, uh, a little phrase that we call flip the blessing. So whenever someone blesses us, um, time, talent, or treasure, uh, unique ways, different ways, um, what we want to try to do is then inventory that blessing and flip it for someone else. So how can we then uh, channel that blessing to other people? And of course, you know, what I'm describing is as old as the Abrahamic covenant that we are blessed to bless, but uh, it's kind of this fun idea of flipping the blessing. I like it, Mark. That's awesome. Gratitude and generosity. You know, that's one thing um, that I've worked on. And I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head though, is when I get up in the mornings, I try to count three to five things that I'm grateful for the day. Yep. And then uh, even it was pretty awesome. My wife spent an entire week last week. Every day she sent me a text of three things she was grateful for. And and it's just funny. It just changes the dynamic of a relationship, our mindset. Um, Her just even taking the time to do that, seeing how she felt towards me, me toward, I mean, just any, any area, it just, it just increases the level of intimacy uh, with the father or with our spouse or whatever. Yeah, that's so good. And the the last time I checked, the psalmist said that we enter his gates with Thanksgiving. That's good. And it's so critical. And uh, we could all get a little bit better at it. But this I know for sure. Joy isn't getting what you want. It's appreciating what you have. And and I think that is an art form. And and even more than that, it really is a spiritual discipline. And so uh, I, I hope and pray uh, that the book maybe helps people on the uh, on the gratitude side of the equation as well as the generosity side. Well, I'm excited for it. I appreciate you guys sending me a copy. I've uh, enjoyed it. Why don't you tell our listeners real quick uh, just kind of where to get it and how to find you? Yeah. Um, well, there, there is this little website called Amazon that uh, they sell a few things on there. Buy a couple but, things. Uh, just uh, add it on to your next order. There you go. And, uh, but anywhere books are sold, it should be available. And then uh, I hang out at uh, markbatterson.com as well as Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook at Mark Batterson. Pretty simple. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Well, Mark, hold on just a second. Roar Nation, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys walk into and step into a double blessing. Uh, highly encourage you guys to pick up this book, get on Amazon or wherever books are sold and read it. And um, I really feel like this is one of those books that if you would actually implement it in your life, it's going to be life changing. But just like anything else, you have to read it, step into it and implement it. So that being said, War Nation, we love you. Remember, be real, be authentic and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. 
Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.